And it's so good to be with you this morning on this very special Mother's Day. You know, it is Mother's Day and we do celebrate all our mums. But for some, it can also be a difficult day with a whole host of emotions, depending on the personal situations and experiences that are relating to motherhood. And if that's you today, we pray God's comfort and God's presence and maybe even God's healing upon you as you journey through this day. But in this message, I'm going to focus upon, yes, a mother, a woman, but the attributes of a famous mother called Mary, her Her strength and her vitality and her faith will teach each and every one of us something new. So first of all, if you've got a Bible at home, why don't you turn to the Gospel of John? And it's in chapter 2. Mary gets invited to a wedding. So on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mom was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone... Jesus' mother said to him, they've no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And I'm going to leave it there. If you carry on reading that story, there is such a wealth of stuff to learn from. But I just want to focus on something particular today because eventually Jesus does do something to save the day. An amazing miracle. He turns the water into wine. But I've always wondered why he resists responding to his mother, Mary. I'm the proud mother of three grown-up married children. So I know the pressure and I know the joy of family weddings, keeping everyone happy, making sure there's enough food and enough drink to go around. I remember my daughter's wedding and she decided instead of having a huge wedding cake, she would have hundreds of beautiful cupcakes and she would put them all out on the table and when it was the, we- the, the cutting cake ceremony, she would hand one to each guest. While the family went to the park to have the photographs taken, some hungry guests discovered the cakes and they ate all of the cupcakes. So when the party came back, the wedding party came back to do the cutting of the cake, all the cakes had gone. There were just crumbs left. It was funny afterwards. But weddings can be serious business and they can seriously upset people. Especially if you're in the first century Middle East where this wedding is located in this timescale. When hospitality failure like not enough cupcakes or even not enough wine, would have serious and severe social consequences. Generous hospitality was so essential and central to honouring and respecting the bond of the community relationships that failure to provide more than enough for the guests was a great and lingering insult. The wedding host could be sued and all the family would be disgraced. They would be shunned, not just for weeks, not just for months, but for years to come. And at this wedding, Jesus and his mother Mary and some of his disciples, they're all invited guests. So we can deduce that they are amongst friends. They are amongst relatives. They are amongst people that they know well and that they do life with. They're amongst people of their community. So people that matter to them. So when the wine is gone, this is a big deal. This is their community that it's going to affect. This is their community that's going to pay the price. You know, weddings are supposed to be times of joy. 
And in this Hebrew community, wine was actually the personification of joy. Now, don't get the wrong idea. It wasn't about getting drunk. The Bible does say it's not good to get drunk. It's not good for our well-being. But many Old Testament scriptures speak about wine as being a symbol of joy. So, at this wedding, to run out of wine is to run out of joy. They didn't realise, though, that within Jesus, their actual source of eternal joy was in their midst. But that's another story. The joy of the Lord is your strength, it says in Nehemiah 8.10. It's funny how we rely on material things for joy, yet everything runs out, except, of course, the joy of the Lord. So Mary gets involved. It says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. It seems like Mary could feel the anxiety of this looming crisis. She wants to get involved. She, she knows that a major social embarrassment for her friends and family is about to happen. Now, Mary knew what it feels like to be humiliated. She knew what it felt like to be judged by her community. Remember, she'd only been a young, child, a young, a young girl when she was pregnant and an unmarried mother in a culture that at that time carried the death penalty the memory still stings her heart. When we go through painful experiences, maybe things like slander or gossip or humiliation, it hurts. But we have an amazing opportunity. When we take that pain that we feel and we place it into God's hands, when it's in God's hands, he can turn it around and use it for good. We can either stay bitter in our pain or with God's help, we can become better. Mary's past experience was put into God's hands and it developed into an empathy for others. So right now at this wedding, she feels for them. She understands the pain that they're about to feel. You know, 35 years ago, I was a divorced single mum and I, I spent a few Christmas dinners alone eating my beans on toast. And years later, when I had the opportunity, I launched a Christmas ministry for single mums. We'd cook them a huge Christmas meal. We'd shower them with the best gifts we could afford. And we'd give their children an amazing Christmas party with sackfuls of toys. Because I identified with their loneliness at Christmas. And with God's help and with God's nudging, I turned my bitter experience around into something better to bless others. You know, maybe even today on this Mother's Day, there might be something painful in your life that you need to give to God and allow him to heal you. By using that painful experience, you could help others. I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians that says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that when we are comforted, we can comfort those in trouble with that same comfort that we ourselves have received from God. Mary had a caring heart. She couldn't just ignore this trouble she couldn't just walk on by or walk out of this wedding. In fact, whenever she saw pain or lack or someone who needed help, like the Good Samaritan, she just had to get herself involved. Do you remember the days of shopping when we would be in the queue and then we were stuck behind someone who, who was struggling to find the right change in their purse or their wallet to complete their purchase? 
Well, I'm one of those people that I just have to get involved and, and give them my money and so that they can pay for their bill and move on. Maybe because I'm in a rush, but Mary made it her concern. Mary wanted to get involved because she cared. She felt the shame. She felt the pain that was coming if she didn't intervene. You know, helping people, it, it does cost us. Getting involved is always inconvenient. Standing up for injustices against others can get messy. But as followers of Christ, we've been called to bring the reality of the good news of God's intervening love into the everyday of everyday people's lives. Mary knew she could do something because she knew Jesus. You know, I used to live in a place called Blackpool and I often knew the, the stars of the shows and I would know them and they could give me tickets to the best seats. I wouldn't have to queue up because it was, it was handy to know those people. It's good to know people in high places. But when I think of knowing Jesus, Jesus is in the highest ever place, seated in heaven. He's the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He's almighty God. And this is the person who she turns to because Jesus is where her help comes from. In Psalms 121, it says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So it's automatic. It's, it's what she wants to do. It's easy for her. She just turns to Jesus and she says, They've no more wine. But Mary gets a question. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus responds to his mother as woman. But understand this, in those days, as it should be now, woman was an endearing, respectful term. Unfortunately, the use of the word woman in our day and age has sometimes been misused, degraded and disrespected. Yet the name woman, just like the name man, is given to us from the word of God. And maybe that's a challenge for some of us today, to use that name woman with the same respect and the same love that Jesus Christ infers as he speaks to his mother on that day at that wedding. Even most scholars, interestingly men, think that Jesus is asserting himself as an adult and that he can no longer be told what to do by his mother and more so because he is the Messiah. Doesn't she realise this? But if we hone in on that issue, I think we can miss something very important. I think that we can miss what Jesus is really saying, the real reason that he's asking the question, why do you involve me? Maybe it's because I'm a woman, maybe it's because I'm a mother, but I can see something more in this question, a loaded question. He doesn't immediately do what she wants, he resists. He seems to be holding back as if he wants to pull something out of her. Maybe it's a tenacity of a faith or a perseverance. I've seen Jesus do this before. In fact, he's done it in another story. In Matthew 15, verses 22 to 28, there's a story about a Canaanite woman. Canaanite women were despicable to Jews. And she came to him with a need. She came crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus didn't answer a word. The Bible says Jesus actually snubs this poor woman. He, he rebukes her. So his disciples come to him and they urge him, send her away for she keeps crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. 
the woman came and she knelt before him. She, she perseveres. She humbles herself. She throws him before Jesus. She's not giving up. Lord, help me, she said. And he replies, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. He actually uses the same derogatory language towards this woman that the people in her community use towards her. I am shocked that Jesus would do this, but I'm sure he's doing it to show the disciples a lesson. He's showing that, that what may be acceptable in that community certainly is not acceptable to him. But even though he uses this word and he, he treats her and calls her like a dog, this woman does not take no for an answer. She is persistent. She is desperate. She is despised and she is powerless and she is a woman, but she is in urgent need of a miracle. She's got nowhere else to go. She's got no one else to turn to. And she, in her faith that she can muster, she clings to the one who she believes can help her. And she says, yes. She's agreeing with what Jesus has said about her. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus is reluctant to help her. He resists helping her. He even rebukes her request. And yet it pulls out of her a persistent faith. And she goes past the rebuke. She goes past the rebuff. And her faith is so big that even a crumb will be enough. Even a crumb will satisfy her need. Even a crumb from the saviour of the world was enough for this woman. And then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that very moment. <laughs> I don't like running, <laughs> but I'm trying to. It's really painful. But the more that I push myself, the more that I persevere, the more my muscles will grow and the easier it will get and the more benefit I will feel. You see, in exercise, resistance causes muscles to grow stronger. And it is the same with faith. We need to not give up, but we need to hold on. We need to persevere, even when there's resistance, even when there's no answer, even when there's rebuff even when there's refusal. And it's at times of resistance that our faith muscles are made stronger. If this Canaanite woman had given up at the first rebuke, she would not have received her miracle. Her daughter would not have been healed. If Mary is going to give up at this reluctance of Jesus, at this resistance, at this rebuke, she is not going to get to see the water turn into wine. She is not going to get to see a miracle that saves the day. If you need a miracle, don't give up. If there's resistance right now, don't give up. If there's no breakthrough right now, don't give up. If there's no answer right now, don't give up. But keep going, keep persevering, keep asking, keep believing and keep trusting until you receive your miracle. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Mary gets a miracle. 
If you read the rest of the story, she gets a miracle. The water gets turned into wine. But what could Jesus possibly be doing right now? By resisting Mary's request to show his brand new disciples may be what persevering, pleasing faith actually looks like. You see, he's at this wedding with his brand new disciples. They don't know him that well yet. And they don't know their journey of faith that they've got to walk. And so who better than to cause his mother Mary, who knows him so well, to to resist a little so that she would persevere. He's trying to pull out of Mary her tenacious faith that he knows is in there. And her tenacious faith that he pulls out of her leads to a miracle that leads to the disciples believing in him. Your faith not only draws down miracles for your life, but it leads others to salvation. It leads others to believe in Jesus Christ. This faith comes from knowing him. Mary knows him. She knows who he is. She was the favoured young girl that God had singled out, that God had chosen to bear his son. She was the young girl that said yes to God's will, however terrifying it was. Mary gave birth in a stable. She met the Magi. She fled to Egypt. She received uncomfortable prophecies about her son. She had encounters with angels and she found him in a temple at 12 years old, teaching the learned men of that day. And Mary had treasured all these things in her heart, as mothers do. She knows. She knows him. And she knows he's just started his messianic ministry. She knows that his cousin John the Baptist has just declared him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. (laughs) And he now has disciples that even at the wedding, he's now a fully-fledged rabbi. Yep, Mary knows who her son is and she knows what he must do she's nurtured him and maybe as a mother she's now nudging him towards his destiny Jesus your ministry is about to begin maybe it's time for the first miracle ever since the angel Gabriel broke into her world and she was overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit She knows what it's like to receive a miracle. She has greater faith than anyone else at this wedding. She now expects the miracle that she carried to now begin his ministry of miracles for others. She's so confident in him that even in his apparent reluctance, she barely takes notice of it. Do you see what it says? He says, what's it got to do with me, woman? And straight away, she just turns around and she goes to the servants and said, whatever he says, do it. And in the literal translation, she says, do it quickly. She's not waiting for a verbal answer from Jesus. She's expecting a life-changing, unexplainable, unfathomable miracle. I wonder today if you are in need of a life-changing unexplainable, unfathomable miracle. Her faith draws Jesus to get involved. And he says to the servants, fill the jars with water. And he restores the wine to the wedding in abundance, even better. But that's another message. 
but joy is restored. The fact that Jesus does do this miracle shows that there was never any question that he wasn't going to get involved, that he wasn't going to save their friends and family from public shame because he's God. He knows the beginning from the end. He knew what he was going to do that day and that's why he was there. He knew he was going to pull out of Mary a persevering faith that would be displayed to all the people around that saw it and it would work in their lives. Today, Jesus is still in the business of saving people from shame, just like the people at that wedding. You know, Almighty God couldn't stay in the comfort of heaven. He just couldn't help himself, but he just had to get involved in our mess. And in Jesus, he laid aside his majesty and he steps into our traumas. He steps into our lives and he steps into our messes and he steps into our problems and he steps into our mistakes. And even if we run out of wine or cakes, he steps in and gets involved in our lives. If you are willing to let him in. Jesus asked Mary, why do you involve me? Mary's reply, I would imagine, would have been, because I can't do it without you, Jesus. If Jesus were to ask me today that same question, that would be my reply. I can't do it without you, Lord. What is it that you cannot do without the supernatural involvement of Jesus in your life? Let's reshape the question. Why don't you involve Jesus? You know, that thing that's worrying you, involve Jesus. Or that anxiety that keeps you awake, involve Jesus. Maybe that fear that hems you in and paralyzes you, involve Jesus. Or that addiction that you just cannot break, involve Jesus. Whatever it is, as simple as running out of the cakes, running out of the wine, or as serious as running out of hope, why don't you today give it to Jesus? Involve him because he cares about you and he cares everything about you. He cares about what you care about. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your cares, all your worries, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Are you willing to involve Jesus in your life afresh today? If you are, why don't you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge afresh today that I need you. I'm sorry that I've been living in my own strength and my own ways. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I invite you to become involved in every part of my life, especially into my heart. Now, let's just take a moment while you at home ask Jesus to be involved in that particular area of need in your life. I'm just going to wait a moment and let you ask him. Lord, I give you these areas that people have asked, and I ask you to get involved in those areas and in their lives, and bless them and help them, and let them know your amazing power and your never-ending love. In Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus gets involved, it brings change. When Jesus gets involved, miracles happen. 
You know, if you want further prayer, or maybe you want to know more about involving Jesus in your life, then please get in touch with us at Elim Church Northampton, elimnorthampton.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.